Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today. We're glad that you are here. Very excited today because um, today we're talking about taking a step of faith. There was a movie that came out uh, about two or three years ago, and it was called We Bought a Zoo. It actually was off of a, a movie, uh, or off of a guy's life, a British writer by the name of Benjamin Mee uh, actually was the guy that uh, the movie was based off of. And the storyline was all about him. Uh, his wife had passed away, and he had a, he, she was very young, and they had a, a child, and he was trying to raise his children. And at the same time, he tried to save a zoo. He purchased a zoo to try to save it. And in that movie, there is one line that stands out more than any other. And it says this, it says, it's amazing what can happen in 20 seconds of insane courage. It's amazing what can happen in 20 seconds of insane courage. I agree with that because in 20 seconds of insane courage, I remember in my life, you've had those moments in your life as well. One of those moments in my life was when I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I never will forget that. I remember sitting in my church back in the day and we had pews and I remember taking those 20 seconds of saying, am I going to do this? And making that decision and walking down that aisle and bowing at an altar and praying. I remember 20 seconds of insane courage that changed my life was uh, with Rhonda. You know, I remember the first time that I called her, our telephones back then had cords attached to them and it was like... <laughs> so anyways, it was rotary phone. I remember letting go of that last number, which was a two, and you didn't have to go that far with that number, you know, and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, what, what's she going to say? And of course, once she answered, she's like, hello. I said, hello, sweetheart, you know? <laughs> no. So, but it was, you remember those moments? I mean, you know, asking somebody else, it's like, you say it, and you're like, I wonder what they're going to say, and and so I can tell you, I have the decision of that one, of that 20 seconds of insane courage. We have been married over 27 years, you know, and, and we're boyfriend and girlfriend several years before that. So over almost 30 years now, we've been together. And boy, that, what a decision on my part that was good. You know, uh, 20 years ago, I, made a, I, I took 20 seconds and made a, 20 seconds of insane courage and made a decision to be the pastor of this church over 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, or almost it'll be April, it'll be 20 years. And look how things have changed, you know, from that small church in Forest Park, Georgia, to where we are now. It's amazing. And, and in your life, you have those moments as well. If you reflect back, you'll have those. Well, in the Scripture, I want to take you to a story. Actually, it's, I say in a, it's a story, but it's an account of something that happened by a guy by the name of Elisha. We talked about him last week a little bit. Elisha is a, a prophet of God and and he's the man of God, and, and he finds himself in a situation to where God is not answering his prayers right away. Israel, uh, the children of Israel are actually in, encamped in a city, and their walls are around the city, and the, the children of God, the Israelites, are inside of this city, 
and Elijah's inside the city with them. But the enemy, the, the, um, the Armenians have come in, and they have surrounded the city. They've taken it seized. In other words, they're not allowing anything to come in or out. They just decided that they're going to starve them out. Okay, So they cut off all the supply lines. So inside of the city, there is no food. People are starving to death to this point to where a horse's head would bring a very high price. Even to resorting to cannibalism in some situations, the scriptures say. It was horrible. And people were crying out, God, God, help us, God, help us, God. You know, if they go outside the city, the enemy's going to kill them. So uh, the, the king of the city comes up to Elisha, who is the prophet of God, and said, Where is God? Where is God? Where is He at now? God, will it have, why won't God come? And so, as we enter into this story, I want to give you the first point that I want you to write down when you want to take a step of faith, and that is this. Would you write this down? Read God's Word to get the spiritual assurance you need. As you write that down, I want you to hear what Elisha says to the king. It's right up under that phrase, and look what it says. Elisha, rep uh, Elisha replied, Hear the word of the Lord. Notice that. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a shea of, of fine flour will sell for a shekel and two sheas of, of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. What was he saying? The interpretation is, is that what's real expensive today will be very cheap tomorrow because where you have nothing today, the supply will be so great that it will be very cheap. Sort of like gas right now, you know. The, the, the supply is great, so the prices are dropping like crazy. Hallelujah. Anybody else excited about that? Yes? That's right. You ought to be saving a lot of money right now because you've been paying $4 a gallon. Now you're paying $2 a gallon, so that money should go into a savings account. All right. Never mind. Just, just a tip. All right? So... So he said, that's what's going to happen. So the word of the Lord has come out. And this is what I want to say to you. Is that if I, could, if I could do anything with you because I love you as your pastor, I would do something that has kept me my whole life through all the ups and downs of my life. And believe you me, you know, you look at me and you think, well, that guy, he and Rhonda, they got it all together. Oh, no. Honey, you don't look like this without going through some stuff. Okay, yes, you just you don't turn out like this without being rolled hard and hung up wet. And I can tell you this, the one thing that's kept me through all of this is that no matter what was going on in my marriage, no matter what was going on in my, uh, with my children, no matter what was going on financially, no matter what was going on in my career, is that I had a daily practice of reading this book whether I wanted to or not. Sometimes I would read it, and it wouldn't make any sense to me. I couldn't even tell you what I read, but I still did it. And I found faith inside of that that brought hope to my life. And if I could do anything with you, I would do that with you. I would, I would come to your house every morning and sit down with you and say, okay, let's open up the Word of the God, the, the bread of life, that you might receive faith and you might receive hope for your situation. But I can't do that for you, so I want to trust that you're going to do that. The Bible says this, Look what it says in Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by what? Hearing what? The Word of God. If you want faith in your life, and listen, there is no such things as hopeless situation. There are only people that have grown hopeless. And I'm telling you that when you read God's Word, 
and it gets inside of you. You get in God's Word, it gets inside of you. All of a sudden, faith arises, and that faith brings hope in a hopeless situation, just like the situation that Elisha found himself in and the people of Israel. So I want you to do me a favor right now. On your connection card, you have one looks just like this. On the back of it, I'm asking you to do this every week. It says, I will do my best to read God's Word for 15 minutes a day. I'm asking every one of you today to check that box and make that your goal. You say, well, Pastor, maybe I can't do it one day. That's okay. Just make it a goal. Go ahead and do that. Why? Because if you want to be the person that you want to be, it all starts with this getting inside of you. You can't be different until you change on the inside, and God's Word is the way that you change. If I could stand on my head and convince you to do that, I'd do it. I cannot say to you enough how this book has saved my life. I beg you, because I love you, get in God's Word. Number two, would you look at this with me? Number two, pray and ask God to help you identify the cause. Would you write that down? Of your problem. Now as you write that down, we're going to go back into the account, what has happened here. So now we see this great famine is there. It's in the city. People are starving to death. I mean, people are stealing from each other. It's chaos on the inside. The king is upset. He can't do anything to help the people. He's watching the people just starve to death. And he's mad at the, uh, the prophet of God. Matter of fact, when people can't get to, the, to God himself, when they're mad at God, sometimes they go attack the man of God. And that's exactly what's happening here. And so on the outside of that city, the walls of that city, we find there are four men outside that city who have a disease that's called leprosy. Their skin is literally rotting off their bones. It's contagious. And, and so people like that when they got a disease were quarantined and they were made to go outside the city. So now we see four men that are outside the city. And look what it says on your outline. Here we go. In, in the Second Kings 7, it says, now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we go into the city, the famine is there, and we will what? Come on, shout out. We will what? We will die. Now notice this. And if we stay here, we will what? Okay, you ever felt that way? No options? In other words, if we go back into the city, if we go back into the city, the famine's there. Somehow, if we sneak our way in, there's no food, we're going to die there. But if we stay here, we're going to die as well. So the first thing they had to do was identify their problem. And their problem was this, is that they were starving to death. That's the problem. And I want to tell you in your life, the, the, listen, in your life, the first step in every situation is to identify a problem. That once you identify a problem, you got to have solved. Once you identify it and admit you got a problem. But the second half of that is this, and this is where most people miss it in their life, and that is this, is that you can't just stop at identifying the problem. We have to identify the cause of the problem, right? And so these men were sitting there. They said, okay, if we go back in the city, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. So the problem was we're starving to death. But the cause of the problem was this, is that we're sitting here doing nothing. How can we expect to get better if we do nothing? So the cause of that. Now, it, let me explain it to you this way. In our terms, when, our, when my kids were smaller, you know, uh, I like to watch football. So maybe it was on a Saturday night or a Sunday uh, uh, evening, I would find myself watching football 
And uh, my son would come into the room and, and at times he wanted to play right in front of the television. Okay? And uh, so I would kindly say the first time, son, would you please move out of the way? Now, daddy wants to watch this football game, okay? And so he all of a sudden, a little while later, he comes right back in front of the television. La, 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 la. I'm like, listen, son, your mom and I are, n- are not window makers, so would you please go back over here? You're going to wake up tonight and get that in the middle of the night, I know. But anyways, so, you know, they got, so, firm, so he comes back in, and I look at it a little firmer and say, now listen, please do not come back in front of this television, all right? I'm telling you now, don't do that. See, there was a problem there. The problem was is that my son was getting in between me and the television. I wanted to watch the game. But the cause of that problem was is that my son wanted my attention. You see, so once I, if, instead of just looking at the problem, if I see that, okay, it's not the problem. I see that he's getting in front of the television, but what's causing him to do that? And if I, and if I analyze that a minute, I would have been a little smarter when I was younger, and I would have went over and grabbed him and hugged him and said, hey, you know what? Let's go play with cars or whatever you want to do. And as a man whose child has grown, you see all of that stuff now, right? So I'm helping you that your children are small. You have small grandchildren. So you see the cause. Matter of fact, we can take that into marriage or any relationship. You know, the wife gets angry. She's mad. And, and you know, when she gets mad, the husband doesn't want to see her mad. So he all of a sudden says, okay, she's got a problem. She's angry. So he comes in and he becomes very affectionate and loving toward her and kind of says, it's okay. I don't want you to be upset. It's all right. And all of a sudden she's getting all this affection and attention. You see, the problem, the guy thinks the problem is that she's mad. And she's thinking, well, the problem is he's ticking me off. You know, I'm mad. And what's causing her to be mad? Here's the cause. Listen, you may miss this. The cause is this. It's really the reason that she's mad is because she wants affection. That's the cause. So the smart man or lady would be this and say, okay, instead of saying, you know, she's got a problem. My wife's got a problem. She's mad all the time. I don't know what's wrong with her. She's got a problem. She's got a problem. Instead of doing that, say, what's causing the problem? And once you identify the cause of the problem, then a smart person, an intelligent person, not a stupid person, a smart person says, okay, I see. The cause is is that she really needs my affection and attention. So therefore, instead of her getting mad and getting it her way, the old way, we'll break the cycle and I'll just start giving her that attention and affection that she needs right now. And guess what? She doesn't have to get mad to get it. You see what I'm talking about? You identify the problem and then the cause. I can tell you this in every situation in my life. You know, you ever wake up and have those bad days, your attitude's just not right? There's many times that that happens with me as well, and I have to ask myself, what's causing this? Why am I so? Because when you're mad and upset, you point to everybody else, don't you? say, you know, if that person was, wouldn't have been so slow in front of me, I wouldn't be so upset right now. You know, or, or if my clock hadn't went off this morning, or if this, this, and this, this, and this, and you start pointing the blame at everybody else. No, no, no. You got a problem that is you're late, but what caused that problem was so-and-so. Deal with the cause. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking this. You're thinking, yeah, what you described is true in my home, and that is that, you know, I live with someone that gets irate. And you just say, well, you know what? That's just their problem. They just got to grow up. That's their problem. Well, when you say that, that sort of reminds me of a story that I read about two men that was on a ship that was going down. 
And they, the ship was going down. The two men uh, got in the lifeboats with other people, and they got in the lifeboat, and lo and behold, the lifeboat had a hole in it. And so the, it, it, the hole was on the front of the boat, so the people on the front are just uh, bailing water like crazy, like crazy. And the two men are sitting in the back. One looks at the other one and says, Hey, aren't you glad that hole's not on our end? In other words, we're not going to bail any water. It's on their end. I got news for you. The ship's going down. The boat is going down. So you can sit there on your rear end and do nothing, or you can think with the other end and do something and begin to try to help the situation because your home will go down. You cannot just point out problems and say, you know, there's the problem, that's the problem, that's the problem. No, what's the cause of the problem? These men had to come up because they needed 20 seconds of insane courage to do the right thing, to move into action. It reminds me of a statement that I read, and I think it's true for all of us, is that we must stop repeating the past and start creating the future. And you'll never do that until you identify the cause of the problem. You see, today, many of you sitting here today, I don't know that you know where your relationship with God is. And I want to tell you today, if you do not have Jesus Christ, if you are not a Christ follower, I'm not talking about a proclaimer, but a follower, then you have a problem. And the cause of your problem is, is that you're trying to do all this life thing your own, and you need a Savior. You need Jesus Christ. And so I have a prayer inside of your program that I'd like to read to you. And today, if you mean this prayer, then you can become a Christ follower as well. Look what it says. It says, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. That's what a Christian does, is does the will of God. Do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to challenge you today. If you said that with me, if you read that prayer with me and you meant it, you said, that's what I want, Pastor Jeff. All I'm asking you to do is on the back of this card, this connection card, that you would check the box, the middle box that says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower today. If you would do that so that we could pray for you this week. Would you do that? Number three. Would you write this down? Set faith goals. Set faith in God goals. Let me say it that way. Set faith in God goals. Going back into the Scripture now, we see these men, they they identified their problem. They realize the cause of the problem. The problem is the famine in the land, in, in the uh, kingdom there. And the, and the cause of the problem is they're just sitting there. So now they got to set some goals. they got to take some action. And look what it says this in the Scripture. So let us go. Notice that. That's the goal. Okay, we got to move from here. we got to take action. So let us go over to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. See, that's the plan. All of a sudden, they set a goal to move, and then all of a sudden, they came up with a plan. Let us go to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we what? Come on, shout. Then we what? Okay, see the options that they have? Okay, if we go back into the city, we're going to die. If we stay right here, we're definitely going to die. So our best option is, is to go into the camp of the enemies over there and surrender. And if we do, we may still die, but at least we're go- making movement. Amen? See what I'm talking about? And many of you sitting here today, you've been, you thought about going back to an old situation, but it was dead. That's why you left it. 
And many of you sitting here today, you say, well, I'm not, I just don't know what to do. I'm paralyzed. I, you're not doing anything to get better. So I want to encourage you now, no matter how dangerous it looks to take a step of faith, I'm telling you, with God, all things are possible, and take a step of faith in God's direction, even though it looks like you're going into the enemy's camp. All right, hold on with me. It gets better. So we must set goals. And here's what I want to say to you. We must quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive at death safely. Did you hear that? We have to quit living life like the whole objective of life is just to get to death and never have any problems. Listen, life is when you take risk, when you step out with God, when you take a step of faith. That's when you, that's when you feel like you're alive is when you do that. And there's too many people that are dead that are still breathing. Listen, God has put music in your heart. Please do not die with that song inside of you. Let it come out. Let us hear the music. Let's see God show up. Give God the opportunity. You have to take the step of faith, and you do it by setting goals. Faith in God goals. You know, let me just say this to you. It's a goal that shapes the plan. It's the plan that sets the action. It's the action that achieves the results, and this results in what changes your life or somebody else's life. And let me just say this. I emailed you all out this week about uh, how I set goals because I want you to set them. You see, if you don't set goals to do something different, you're going to be right back where you were at the end of 2015, or where you were at 2014. You're not, nothing's going to change until you begin to set some goals. What do you want? Every year, I send, I send them out to you. I set, I set goals. I said, you know, I said spiritual goals. Like this year, you know, I said, God, I want to, be, I want to fast a little bit more uh, this year. You know, and, and I, I set uh, uh, goals with Rhonda to be a better husband. And, and matter of fact, I want to make sure this year that every year uh, before we go to sleep, I pray a blessing over her. That sounds real super spiritual to you. Well, I'm going to tell you, when I first done it, it creeped me out, okay? But let me tell you something, friend. You talking about glue. Men, listen to me. You talking about glue in our relationship? I'm telling you, it just, it just tightened it up so much more. You see, it's because I set a goal. I said, every night I want to do this. You know, I said, you know, I want to date her at least once a week. I want to take her out. I want to let her know she's important to me. And see, you know, with my kids, I say, you know, my kids are moved down. I'm like, you know, I want to talk to them at least once a week, and I want to have a meal with them at least once a month. You know, uh, you know, I can just go on with exercise, you know. I said, hey, I want to at least exercise, you know, four times a week, and, and I want to ride my bike on a 100-mile ride this year. So, anyways, if you hear of a, someone that died riding a bike, it might be me. Okay, but no, I went down huffing and puffing, you know. I mean, man, all these goals, and, and I sent them out to you as, as an example for you to look at. But you will not be different except for the choices that you make. And, and listen... I can't just write them down at the beginning of the year. I have to rewrite them every week. Why? Because one of my goals, this spiritual goals, is I want to be more of a positive person because I am really that nagging nanny, you know? Nancy. Is that right? I said nagging nanny. Nagging Nancy. Never mind. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. And so you know what I found out? By the end of the week, I done drifted back into old naggy. So I have to have a reminder. And you know what? Rhonda can't say, well, you said you was going to be more positive. I say, well, well, that just starts the fight, doesn't it? So guess what? Every week, every Sunday evening, I rewrite all my goals again, and the Holy Spirit pulls me right back in line. It's alignment. If you want to give it, this is what successful people do, spiritually, 
physically, financially, I said financial goal, do it, man. Rewrite it. I'm telling you something that will bring you out. Because listen, if you go back, you're going to die. If you stay where you are, you're going to die. The best thing to do is move forward with Almighty God. And I'm trying to give you the steps to do that. Is you got to move forward with Almighty God. Look what the Bible says in James 2 and 17. He says, in the same way, faith by itself, it is not accompanied by what? Actions is what? Come on, shout out. Is dead. So if you're, the Bible says this, that if you have all the faith in the world, but you sit on your backside, you know, instead of leaving footprints in the sand, you leave rear end prints in the sand. Hello? You know, if that's you, I mean, you know, there's too many people sitting on their tails and praying, oh, God, make my marriage better. Oh, God, make my finances better. Oh, God, make my children better. Oh, God, do this. And they're not, that's all they're doing is saying words. Let me tell you something. You know, when faith comes in you, it's when you say, okay, God, help me to be better in marriage. God, show me what to do to be a better parent. God, show me what to do to be better financially. I'm ready, God. Send people my way. Show me, enlighten me, and God will send things your way if you're just praying and you're doing nothing then friend nothing's going to happen these guys had to take a step toward what seemed to be like the enemy's camp before god began to show up in their life and let me just say this to you you know we must stop pointing out the problems and become part of the solution <laughs> you know that complaining is like bad breath you don't recognize it uh, when it you recognize it only when it comes out of somebody else's mouth and not your own Everybody right now is going, <laughs> that's right. You don't, you don't recognize bad breath in yourself. Somebody has to tell you. A good, hopefully a good friend will tell you, right? <laughs> Rhonda, she, she told me many times, listen, you got a mint. I mean, there's, as always, we can be sitting somewhere. I mean, like I'm like three feet from her, you know, and all of a sudden she's handing me a piece of gum. I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. Oh, yes, you do. You ever been there? Man, that's, that's, what, that's what it's like at our house. So what I want you to do is this. Man, is we have a vision for our church, and we have to take, and I want you to have a vision for your life. And see, man, we have to get out of here. And that's what our, that's what our Forward and Faith Giving Initiative is all about. Why? Because we can be a church that just sits back and say, we come together and we just sing songs, we clap our hands, hear a motivational message in God's Word, and we can get out of here. Well, listen, if that's your ambition, you're at the wrong church. Because we believe that God's told us to take steps of faith going to the enemy's territory. That's why we go to our schools. That's why we're going to do Pump It Up here in a couple weeks. That's why we're going to Honduras. That's why we're streaming over the internet. It's so that you can tell your friends about coming to church and maybe they'll go on the internet and watch this little bald-headed guy and they'll say, yay, he's pretty weird. Maybe I'll come and check it out with you. Now listen, you know that if I'm weird and you're here, that makes you weird too, right? Thank God, I don't want to be around people that don't think they're a little bit messed up. What I'm asking you to do is set some goals. So on your connection card on the back, it says this. I'd like you to check this box. Now, come on, man. Your first action step is picking up that stupid pen, turning that card over, and checking the box. Do I sound passionate today? I'm telling you, I want you to do good this year. Is this. It says, I will set a giving goal for the forward and faith to be completed by the 31st of January. Ron and I have done this. We set a, we set a goal of $2,500 for this, and that's big for us, and we're having to trust God, and 
you know, and doing everything that we can to make it. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done it yet, do something, man. Give so that other people can live. And when you do that, you become alive as well. Number four, would you write this down? Start walking in faith and look for the God factor. Oh, it's going to get good. Remember now, they started their journey toward the enemy's camp. Look what happened. Look what God done. At dusk, they got up and they went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For who? Who? Not the banker? Not your husband? Not your wife? You know, not, not your employer? Look at this. For the Lord caused, notice that, the Lord caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. And they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dust and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. Who knew that God was going to use these men that were diseased, they were all washed up, everybody said they're done, they're no good, they've been cast outside the city. God used these four men to just walk a step of faith toward the enemy's camp, and before they ever got to the enemy's camp, God showed up in the enemy's camp and made them hear like sounds of a great army coming, and they took off and run for their lives, and these four men went in and got all the supplies, and they went back to, uh, to the camp at Israel and said, listen, the Armenians are gone now. And guess what? Everyone in Israel come and had more than enough food to eat. The word of the Lord come to pass. It was just in a way that nobody ever thought. So the lesson today is this, is that maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking about going back to an old way. I want to tell you, if you go back, you're going to die. If you stay right here and do nothing else, you're going to die. The best of the best alternative that you have and the best plan that you can have is to look at it and say, God, where are you? And begin to take steps in that direction, even if it looks like you're going in the enemy's camp and let God cause a noise. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. Amen. God calls the noise when you, when you take the action, when you quit being, you know, just saying, well, I can't do that. And I No, you can't. But if you'll take the step of faith, God will show up. The best option you got is God. I'm telling you, the best option you got is God. The best option you got is God. The best option you got is take a step toward God, even though it looks like you're going in the enemy's camp. But the husband sitting here today says, well, I ain't going to a counselor. For the wife here today says, I'm not going to see a financial advisor. For the child here today says, you know, well, I'm not going to listen to my parents. You're going the wrong direction. Take a step toward Almighty God. Look what the Bible says in Galatians 6 and 9. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will. Did you see that? You may want to circle that. We will reap a harvest if we do not what? If we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You see... God wants to use your life. And as you do good to other people in the name of God, He shows up in your life. Zig Ziglar in his book called See You at the Top tells a story of a little girl by the name of Annie. It was a fascinating story to me, so I want to share it with you. 
Annie was born, and when she was born, her mother died at, at, when she was four years old. When she was six years old, her father abandoned her and her siblings. Annie was so distraught from all of that tragedy that she ended up like in a mental hospital for children. And that they kept her in a special place. It was a dungeon. It was actually the basement of the hospital in like a cage because Annie had become like this mad child. She was just rageous or uh, just ferocious. She would attack people when they would try to help her. And so they caged her up like an animal. And everybody had said, that child, there's no hope for that child. But there was one little lady, one little lady who decided that before she retired, she wanted to do everything that she could to help this child, Annie. So every day she would, every Thursday, she would come by once a week and she would try to have a conversation or try to touch her or something. And Annie would just go crazy. And so one day she brought a batch of brownies by and she left a plate at the door. And when she she had left and come back the next week, she found the plate was there empty, that Annie had taken those brownies. And so every Thursday after that, Annie started to open it up her heart. She started settling down. And before you know it, after week after week of that lady coming by, Annie began to get better. Matter of fact, so much so that she was moved up to the, to the floor with all the other kids and the, that were you know, in the orphanage there. And then after that, she got so good that everybody's, the, the doctor said, listen, you're well, you can go home, you don't have to stay here. But Annie said, no, this place has meant so much to me, it's changed my life so much, I want to stay here and serve the rest of my life. And she stayed and served. When Queen Elizabeth was asked, when she asked Helen Keller, she said, Helen, how could you have the determination to learn when you could not hear and you could not see. That was communicated to her. And Helen Keller looked at her in, uh, in the face and she said to her, it was because of a woman by the name of Annie Sullivan who would not give up on me, would not quit, would not let me stop, would not let me, would not let me return to my old ways. She stayed on me. And because of her, I am the person that I am today. You see, I want you to know that you, God has created you. You can, you can sit in your state and you can sulk and you, you can just say, I wish I had as good as everybody. Or you can get out and do something for somebody else and watch a miracle take place. You see, I want to tell you something that, you know, every time that you serve at SEC, when you're serving in the nursery, you're, you're touching someone for God, joy is building in your life. When you serve in the parking lot here, when you serve as ushers, when you serve as greeters, when you, when you serve as in the office, when you, when you fold bulletins, when you do all of those things in the name of God, you are changing someone's life. I never will forget, I never will forget her name as long as I live. It was my second grade Sunday school teacher. Her name was Sarah Allen. Little does she know today. I would not be standing here today if it wasn't for that woman's just big heart that said, I believe in you, son. I believe in you. And she touched me. Her hands touched me. She hugged me. She believed in me and said, Jeff, when everybody else was saying, you will never amount to nothing, she said, Jeff, you're going to be something someday. And you have the power too. You have the power. God has given you the power. He's given you the ability to do that for someone else. Will you do it? question to you today in 2015 will you make a difference with your life church is all about that making a difference with your life I'd like for you to do something with me inside of your program is a blue sheet 
I want to give, as your pastor, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to serve. And listen, you say, I don't know if I can do it. Take a step. It seems like maybe toward the enemy's camp and let God show up. If you play an instrument, man, we'd love to have you. If you can sing, we'd love to have you. You know, if you can smile at people, we'd love to have you. Just do something. Would you take that sheet of paper as they sing this song? Would you just check one of those areas that you would be willing to serve in because there's another Helen Keller out there that just needs a hand. There's another Jeff Dawes that just needs somebody. Somebody just to believe. Would you do that right now? Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdawes at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.